Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. We are looking at the stateoftheology.com. This is a really helpful survey that Ligonier Ministries put out. Uh, it has several questions, several statements uh, that basically judges the theological temperature of the population. You can actually use this uh, to take the survey yourself to see where you stand on it, or you could create a group survey, send it out to your family or to your church. Uh, we are on statement number nine this morning, mm-hmm. and here's the statement. The Holy Spirit gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. And this statement really kind of touches on one of the main differences between, you know, the Calvinistic theology and the Arminian theology. Uh, Calvinistic theology says that the Holy Spirit grants the new birth and then the person believes Mm -hmm. savingly in Jesus Christ. While on the other hand, Arminian theology says, no, 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 a person believes and then that produces the new birth in the life of the believer. So on this particular statement, um, let's see if I'm reading this right, 57% agree, is that right? That the Holy Spirit gives life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. So what do you guys think about this, brothers? Should we start with why does this matter? No. (laughs) You want to go there at last? I think there's just a couple passages that deal with this figuratively, and there's others that deal with it just concretely. And so you've got the the great passage in in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel is shown the valley of dry bones and is asked the questions, can can these bones live? And um, the Lord's response to that is, in essence, yes, if I put breath in them, mm-hmm. that they can't live on their own. They they need mm-hmm. the the work of God in order to bring life that's not there. Well, I think that is a picture of our spiritual condition, um, that we are all, and this is what the concrete examples in the New mm-hmm. Testament then refer to, that over and over again we read, whether that's in Romans or other Pauline epistles, that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses, that we are spiritually dead. There is no life in us. We are the valley of dry bones. Well, we get the uh, the whole concept of being born again from John 3 um, when uh, Nicodemus is meeting with Jesus at, at, at night there, and, he, and, uh, and the Lord tells him, he wants to know what he must do to be, you know, to have eternal life. The Lord says, says to him, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know this this analogy of being born again. Nicodemus picks up on it. You know how can a how can a man be born when he's old? 
the sheer impossibility of me having a new birth on by my own determination is what Nicodemus understands. And uh, Jesus recognizes that and says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And when we talk about being born again or regeneration, you know, the theological word, that new generation has to come from the Holy Spirit. And that's why he has to create that in us before we have faith. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and just to work the analogy a little bit deeper, uh, you were not born the first time by your choice. Yes. You, before you were even conscious, <laughs> there was a sperm and an egg came together and a little zygote was formed uh, in the power of, of God. And you were not born by your choice. You were given life by God. And the same way in the, the new birth, the second birth that Jesus was talking about in John 3. And by the way, Nicodemus came at night, so he was the original Nick at night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> har, har, har. Yeah, yes. But anyway, um, you, you were not born the first time by your choice. You're not born the second time by your choice, but because the Spirit gave you life. Ephesians chapter 2 is another uh, text. And you, this is Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. But God, verse 4, it's one of the most, two most powerful words in the Bible, but yeah. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive. We, are, we have life in Christ because God made us alive. I, th I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of um, evangelicals, they may only get half of a verse sometimes because, like, for, for instance, in the Gospel of John, tells about uh, the incarnation of Christ in, in the first chapter. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And then verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A lot of evangelicals want to put a full stop right there. But the verse goes on to say, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Yes. So that birth comes from God, not from our own will. Yes, it is truly us that receive him, but we've done it because of that work of God in our lives. Yeah, let's, let's underline that uh, human commitment is vitally important. Uh, God calls us to choose him, you know, uh, choose this day whom you will serve. And, and Jesus calls us to follow him, but we are incapable of that until, un, un, until and unless God gives us life. Mm -hmm. And when God kindles that life in us, with, with the theological term is regeneration, then now we are free to choose, yes, God, I choose you. Yes, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Well, we begin to see things as God sees them. We begin to see our sin, that we would confess it. We, need to, we begin to see that we lack, that we are, uh, helpless in ourselves, yes. and we turn to Him. All those things are 
things that the Holy Spirit creates and allows us to think God's thoughts after him. And, yes. you know, we pattern ourselves after mm-hmm. what he's been thinking about us all along. Amen. So often people hear this and they say, well, this takes away from my the experiential aspect of my 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 faith because it feels like then that I didn't have a role that it's less meaningful. I'm just simply mm-hmm. a robot. But I think maybe a healthier way to look at it is that we were helpless. We we were were dead in our sins. We lived in darkness. Um, we were following after things that lead only to our own ultimate destruction and heartache and sorrow and and misery and pain and death and eternal judgment. And that's the trajectory of our lives. And we were helpless to do anything about it. But God comes in and in his mercy creates a different affection in our heart. Mm -hmm. That's what regeneration is. It just uh, um, changes our affection from being towards sin and death and, and destruction and everything negative and says, no, You've been you've been deceived. None of that is is brings joy and life and love and peace. God does. And it changes the affection of our heart and at that point we do choose God. Yes. Because we see mm-hmm. the stark difference between what we thought was okay and now all of a sudden we say, "Oh no, that was nothing compared to what God has is and has to offer." And but then by faith we do believe but we believe only because we've been given new affections. And a, a good picture of that is in Acts 16 when Paul is preaching to Lydia and some other right. some other women down by the river. And it says in the text that God opened up her heart to listen, to believe the things that Paul had said. Right. And I think, you know, one of our favorite theologians around the table here is, is R.C. Sproul. And he always used to just ask a simple question. What made you believe and you're your neighbor not? You know, is it because that you are smarter than your neighbor? Or is it because you're more humble than your neighbor? It, what is the cause of your belief versus your neighbor's? And, and unfortunately, I think one of the reasons why this, this matters so much is because if we believe that the new birth comes to us because we're the ones who have taken the initiative, then it leaves room for us to boast before God. Right. And the scripture is so clear on this. In 1 Corinthians 1 and Ephesians 2, it talks about how God, because of God, you are in Christ so that no one may boast before the Lord, so that everyone who does boast, boast in the Lord. If, if I'm saved because I made a better decision than my neighbor, then I, I'm a better person than my neighbor. I have righteousness, and you my get own the, righteousness. And you get the glory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and not, and not only that, but if you if you were the one that chose God, you could unchoose God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to quote R.C. Sproul once again, if we could lose our salvation, we would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we would. <laughs> because that's that that's what we are. We're we, we're we're weak, fleshy creatures, and fickle. Uh, but praise God, our our salvation is is not uh, dependent on us. But I want to I want to underline again. This does not mean that our decisions don't matter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely they do. And when, when the Holy Spirit kindles life in your heart, now you are free to make a decision for Christ. And, and, which you and, weren't free before. Which you weren't free before to make, but God calls you to make that decision, and it is your own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Somebody might miss that real quick. If someone's listening to this and it says, 
man, this doesn't sound fair. You guys are saying that God must work first in order for us to believe, but he doesn't do that with everybody. How is that fair? God is holding people out and they're, they're knocking on the door of heaven and God won't let people in. How do you, how do you guys handle that objection? Well, the scripture says there's a, there's a verse that's repeated at least three times in scripture that uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's in Joel, it's in the book of Acts. Um, where else is it, brothers? Uh, anyway. Uh, Romans. Everyone, yes, Romans, thank you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. N- nobody in history, past, present, or future, nobody ever called on the name of the Lord and heard, oh, sorry, you're not on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't work that way. Um, yes, God will kindle in the hearts that he chooses. Uh, and that is the pure mercy of God for an entire human race that deserves death and destruction. And the reality is that we were all dead in our sins. Mm-hmm. So if fair is that God just leaves us there. So I'd never want God to be fair because God's fairness, God's justice would mean that all of us are, are damned. Mm-hmm. So it just it's a matter of perspective. I get that we want everyone to be saved, but then at some level, then sin loses its sinfulness. God's justice is minimized, which then minimizes his glory. So I would admit that in my humanness, I don't understand, but from what I read in scripture, this is what brings the most glory to God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 